long time. Yeah, it has. But what have you been up to? A lot. <laughs> yeah, so you <laughs> got a new job. Been pretty busy, yeah. Started working at the Predators. <laughs> Left G Squared. So for those of you that don't know, the Predators are a hockey team. And we're in Nashville. And I don't know that we've ever discussed that either. No, I don't think we have. No. Yeah, it's a it's a pretty cool job, but the it's a lot of hours. Yeah, so what are you doing? I shoot and edit video for them. Like player intros and in-game yeah, footage? pretty or... much any vid- kind of video that they need for the website or some for the broadcast. Mm-hmm. Like when it's a locally broadcasted through Fox. You know, whenever you see uh, something come back from commercial from a, if you're watching a game, they have like a shot of of the arena from the outside or the inside with the fans uh-huh. and they go back into the, into the game. I'll shoot that or I'll shoot the um, pre and post game interviews with players and the coach and stuff like that. Cool. So what kind of equipment are you using? We use uh, some really good cameras. We have the FS seven Sony. It's all Sony stuff's FS seven and, some cool ENG cameras that are like news type cameras, you know, like those big, when you see a news camera guy, it's like, that's the, that the, that's the camera that you think of. Okay. So are you shooting and editing or are yeah. you, oh, okay. Like yeah. on the fly? Uh, Especially on the road. Yeah. If, if I'm on the road with the team, uh, I have to shoot the, uh, the pregame interview stuff. And then I have to, we have to post it before the game, you know? So wow, but it's it's really easy. I mean, it's it's not as as difficult as it sounds. It's not as much editing, I guess. Yeah, but it, I mean, it's more editing if you don't shoot it right. But <laughs> yeah. So are you editing it in Final Cut or? Um, no, I'm actually I've moved over to Premiere Pro for wow. this job. Yeah. Wow. So what's that like? Are, are you doing it on a PC or a Mac? I'm on a, on a PC. Whoa. <laughs> wow. So it's like two things that I didn't think I'd get back into was Premiere and PC. Yeah. So going in between the Final Cut shortcuts and the Premiere and Windows shortcuts, yeah. I'm sure that is a little bit of a of a paradigm shift in your head, huh? At, at first it was, but it's gotten a lot easier now just, just doing it because I have to, you know whenever you're forced to learn something it's i think a lot easier to learn it well i wonder if that's gonna make your editing of the podcast weird i wonder if it's gonna no actually i was editing a podcast today and it was fine yeah yeah i I think i've used both enough that i i'm pretty fluent in both both sides man you know i'm i'm kind of ragging on windows but i think that's an excellent thing to have in your toolkit as a as a you know video professional mm-hmm. the ability to move between two different software platforms and use two different editing suites is yeah. invaluable and you have to know how to do that I yeah mean, yeah and there's still a lot that i see i don't know after effects all that well but i i would love to learn are you doing any graphics um in the no, videos my or? my brother-in-law actually does the oh graphics. oh cool yeah. oh yeah so it's kind of a family business too <laughs> yeah well i mean kind of yeah I, we don't actually work together as much as uh, i do with other people but like if i need graphics i can i can hit him up and be like hey this this strikes me as being like the nexus of like jock athletic culture with like av club and it's a very <laughs> yeah. interesting yeah interesting... exactly yeah there's Everyone there is pretty cool, um, you know, regardless of the department that they're in. 
Everyone's pretty nice. But yeah, it is a very, that's a perfect uh, description. Yeah. When, when I was in high school, I used to film basketball games mm -hmm. for my high school. And I was, I was just terrible at it because I would miss some things and it, oh, was, yeah. it was not, not good, but I always enjoyed doing that. Yeah. So is the load in and load out when you're on the road, a lot of stuff, or is it something that you can do in 10 or 15 minutes or is it like an hour long process or what's like that other like? equipment and stuff yeah or? yeah when you're well, lugging all your equipment there's in. enough time allotted between for travel that you you're never in a rush you, you know you there's always a waiting period before the next thing yeah so location. if the game's at like seven and whatever time zone you're in like does your load in start at like three or two or like earlier or? around four or yeah. so yeah. um but We've been there like the the night before, so it's like you just wake up in the morning and go. Yeah, um, but yeah. Have you found any like shortcuts or anything to save time when you're having to edit quickly before the games? Um, just being prepared beforehand, you know, just having all your graphics and on your on a hard drive and just knowing where everything is, you know, is making having it on two hard drives because yes. one hard drive is just and something I never really did before was making quick. Uh, like pins in, well, I guess it, in Finder, but in now in PC that I have to use. <laughs> I still use Mac at home though, so it's, um, so I'm not like one or the other. But I work. Uh, I use, they use PCs, but it'd be the file ex the Explorer, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, and then because at work there's like so many files, and so we have so much footage, you know, that has to be saved in various locations. So it's being able to find files quickly and have them pinned in yeah, the do you, Explorer is nice. Yeah. Do you guys use Dropbox or no um, SharePoint or no? There's some cool programs that we use. Uh, there's um, the main one is Cat DV, and it's used for organizing and cataloging footage. And does that sync to some server that you guys have? Yeah. Like, okay. Yeah. And it's it's all fiber, so it's super fast. Oh, nice! Yeah. yeah, I guess in an industry like professional sports, uh, the backhaul and bandwidth are extremely important. Yeah, it's, it's I'm not sure that's well something you have out. to worry about. Yeah, ever. So, in the time while you were out exploring the the nation with a hockey team, I bought a house and we moved in, and it was a month long process of. Uh, trying to learn an entire new environment yeah internet was a little bit of a struggle turns out that at&t is terrible at helping you get your internet <laughs> set up which is weird because that's kind of their job yeah. but you should have moved to a google fiber home. oh man oh man you have no idea <laughs> so at&t also has fiber but it's yeah, right. not in my area yet but gotcha. i feel like by going with at&t it'll probably be pretty easy for me to yeah get their fiber and I feel like Google Fiber, the deal there is AT&T and Verizon won't move any of their lines, or, or not Verizon, but AT&T and Comcast won't move their lines and allow the fiber to be run on mm -hmm. the same poles. It's retarded. Now, do you have cable, too, or is it just internet? Oh, no. No, I, I don't have cable. Nice. I uh, I strictly stream. Have you, have you thought about doing YouTube TV? Have you looked I, at that? Yeah, so I have not done the free trial yet because I'm saving it for the Olympics. So okay. when the Olympics are on, I'm gonna. That's a good reason to 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 do it then, I guess. Yeah, I, I have thought about getting one of those 
flat antennas. Mm-hmm. Have you seen there? They're, they're mm-hmm. like a wide piece of plastic and yeah. you can stick it on your wall. And trying the uh, old over-the-air HDTV because I, I know it's possible and it seems pretty basic. But yeah. I haven't tried it yet. Yeah, I looked at YouTube TV because it's only $35 and you get you get a lot of channels for 35 bucks. Yeah, I think uh I think sports is the really hard thing to get on the internet. Seems like it's always behind a paywall. Well, their big thing was that you could watch uh, the World Series because they were the advertiser for the World Series. Mhm. And, and you could be watching it on YouTube. Yeah, for 35 bucks. Yeah, and uh MLB.com, they have they're kind of like the industry standard for the highest quality streams. Yes, yes definitely. I've the I've had the best app experience with MLB the MLB app because I also have NBA League Pass and that app sucks. Yeah, badly. Yeah, I think I think what I think that they're so good at their job that um, HBO was having a lot of trouble streaming Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. especially on like the season premiere. So I think they actually consulted with HBO and uh, helped them figure out how to scale their servers and uh, actually serve that content up for simultaneous premieres though, mm-hmm. instead of getting like airs all the time. Um, in the new house, I also got a new office and got that set up. It's yeah, not done that's yet. Exciting. Yeah. I, I, I've been thinking, you know, we, we may do some of these podcasts remote in the future because you're going to be traveling a lot. Mm-hmm. And um, I have hardwood floors in my office and there's not a lot of artwork or furniture in there yet. And I think it'll be super echoey and I'll probably have to put some kind of yeah sound absorbing material well, up. I wonder if we can get uh, something like a, some kind of audio interface that we could bring our mics with us and then just use our phones or your iPad or something like that too, even. Yeah. There's, there's a software program called ferrite, which it's, I think it's only 20 bucks, but you can totally edit a podcast. Oh really? Yeah. And if we were doing three channels, I think it would be fairly straightforward. Yeah. yeah we'll have to look into that. That'd be cool. Yeah. I just think when you're doing it on iOS, you have to also call the person on the phone oh, and really? then be like recording your conversation it's it gets definitely messy on ios but we could do it on the mac fairly Mm -hmm. easy cool speaking of apple products as we never do yeah you got something yeah so you know we've talked about this phone probably in every episode of the tech since the very beginning yeah and you know we talked about the announcement and then the waiting period and what we were going to do. And, you know, the iPhone 10 is finally shipped and I've had it for, um, I guess around 16 days now and it's great. And I think that we should definitely talk about it. Yeah. What's your favorite, what's your favorite part? The thing that jumps out at you every time you use it. I, I think the, the most am- amazing thing is, has to be the screen. Yeah. The screen goes, nearly edge to edge i mean the the bezel on the iphone 10 is so ridiculously small that it really feels like it's not 
there at all. Mm-hmm. And you went with the white one? I did, yeah. So I got the uh, the white. I got to say, the, that's probably the best looking white version of the, of the iPhone. Yeah, it's because it doesn't have the white front. The white front yeah. screens aren't supposed to be white around the edges. Right. Um, that's a good point. For some reason, I, I do like the iPad with a white screen, but you wouldn't want a TV that had a, a white bezel, and I don't know why you would want a white bezel on your phone. Mm-hmm. There's a stainless steel band around the edge, and I feel like it's super reminiscent of the original right. iPhone and yeah. the iPhone 3G and 3GS. They all had that mm-hmm. had that uh, bright silver band. Right. But I think that those were made out of aluminum, and I think they scratched right. more. Yeah. Uh, Apple says that this is a, a like a surgical grade stainless steel, but I'm still putting it in a case. I'm a little nervous about it getting all nicked yeah. and scuffed up. You think you'll ever go caseless with it? Uh, After a couple of years, you think you'll have this this phone next year? You think uh, you'll get the the newest one? I I mean, <laughs> if if history repeats itself. Then yes, I probably will. But I really love this phone. Yeah, it's, and it's great. I, I could hand. see myself using it for more than one year. Yeah. Um, and in an ideal world, that's what would happen. But we don't live in an ideal world, so I don't know. Mm-hmm. So the screen shape and design is is interesting, but I think the screen quality is probably the the thing that jumps out to me specifically whenever I look at it. Yeah, I think so too. The um the screen the quality of the screen is so good. It's really I have a real really hard time finding what the ideal term for that quality would be. I think it's it's a combination of things. It's the color accuracy is super great. And uh Apple says that they're individually calibrating all these screens. So somebody is definitely taking a look at it before it goes out the door. And I think that in combination with iOS's color management, you know, mm. for the past couple of years, especially with the pro iPads, they've been really focused on um, having a wide color gamut mm. because it's pro software. They really want you to be like editing video right. on this, on their iOS devices. Yeah. So, and if you're going to do that, you have to have, obviously, you know, you have to have really good color accuracy to know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it supports two different forms of HDR. So it supports Dolby vision and HDR 10 and not everything is obviously recorded with that in mind. But when you do find video that is in either one of those standards, it looks incredible. Yeah. Yeah. From what I've seen on yours, it looks pretty amazing. The screen itself is actually made by Samsung, but I think to say that it's not a, a generic off the off the shelf part, you know. Yeah. So they definitely worked with them to uh, create the exact screen that they were looking for. Right. And I think it definitely shows because if you look at that side by side with like an S8 or one of the other Galaxy devices, the color profiles are way different. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, I, I think that Samsung tends to uh overblow the the colors mm-hmm. a little bit and i think it comes from the fact that they also make TVs and you know when you go into a best buy or some other tv vendor and you're looking brightness at their screens all the way up yeah the brightness is all the way up and they're set to like vivid settings or whatever yeah so that 
it looks more appealing on the fly and people want to buy that TV. And yeah. I think that's, that shows from their whole organization, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah. Your screen's pretty bright. How, what's your brightness set at? The brightness right now is set to, I think a hundred percent. No, Oh no. It was set at 30%. Wow. See, you even thought it was at a hundred percent and it was yeah. already really bright. Yeah. Yeah. The, the fact that, uh, Apple moved to OLED displays for these screens. I think it's, I think it's pretty incredible. The contrast ratio for the blacks is supposed to be a million to one. Mm-hmm. And this is mine at half. Yeah. And see, the crazy thing is, is I honestly think that the old iPhones also have the best, um, laminated LCD screens. Mm. So I didn't know how that would translate to an OLED screen or if it would look weird. But if you are looking at the iPhone 10, the cool thing about the display is it just still looks like an iPhone to you. There's there's not some yeah. weird transition. Right. So I think you can't talk about the display without discussing the notch at the top of the, the screen. Notch. Yeah. The so, wedge. <laughs> excuse me. So Apple's got this blank area at the top of the screen Mm -hmm. and you can't really see it on a black background, but if you open up a white background or any colored application, it's, it's very visibly there. Mm -hmm. And I think in portrait mode, holding the phone vertically, it's not an issue at all. And what's in the notch is it's it's a it's for face id right that's mm-hmm. the that's the face scanning area yeah and what's really crazy is it's basically uh microsoft connect or an xbox connect that's wedged down in there right. apple bought the company called prime sense that created mm-hmm. the xbox connect and then they shrunk that technology down until yeah. now it's basically a one inch by a centimeter area in the top of a phone yeah i think it's an okay sacrifice because the benefit of having face id is it's almost like your phone doesn't have a password mm-hmm. so when you lift up the phone and you go to unlock it it sees you and you are in yeah and that tiny removal of friction makes you feel like you get so much more done mm-hmm. on the phone and i'm sure it's a placebo effect and this is definitely the honeymoon phase but it's really cool. So Face ID does have some limitations. And the first one that I noticed was I have Ray-Ban sunglasses and Ray-Ban sunglasses happen to have 100% IR filtration. Mm-hmm. So no go. Yeah, so it can't Can see you my just face. lift them up? Yeah, so I have to so I've been spending my time like lifting my glasses up, which is not ideal. Not so, something you would ever think that you would have to do with an iPhone, you know. Yeah. A year ago. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I tried it with Whitney sunglasses and it was fine. So I think it's just that particular brand. Mm. Because it's it how face ID works is it is it puts a bunch of dots on your face and they're infrared and then it reads that 3D map. So if it can't see your eyes, mm-hmm. uh it also the phone won't unlock if it sees your face if you're not looking at it. So So if you just look at your phone right now. Yeah. Yeah, so like if I if I hold the phone up to my face but I don't look at the lock, 
then I look at it, <laughs> then it unlocks. That's crazy. Yeah. And, and another cool use of that feature is if you get a notification, by default, it doesn't show any of the content of the notification. It just says the app, and then it says notification. And then when you lift it up, it shows you the content because it knows you're looking at it. And not it's not like somebody walking by your desk and seeing your phone. Gotcha. And you have to swipe up, right, to actually open up the lock screen? Um, you but, mean to get to the home screen? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so it doesn't auto-log okay. in. I mean, that makes sense. You, you wouldn't want that to happen because that'd be annoying. You just look at your phone and all of a sudden it's just open. Yeah. And then you miss your notification screen completely. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some Android phones that I think they just automatically log you in. And I, I, I don't think that I would actually like that. Oh, well, no. Yeah. I don't think anyone really would. So what about the gestures? Because it's a little different not having the home button. Yeah. So it changes kind of everything that you do. Um, in, in the past, you always hit the home button to go back. And it's the first, the thing that I've noticed is when somebody uses it for the first time, they're like, how do I go back? And it's, (laughs) it's, yeah, yeah. Because it's like, am I stuck in this app forever? But all you do is swipe up. And I think that the gestures are great. I, I also don't mind the speed of the animations because when you, when you open an app and you close it, it basically goes back into itself. Mm-hmm. And so a lot of times when you're in an application and there's an animation, it makes, it's like you're waiting on the computer to do its thing. Right. But with iOS 11 on iPhone 10, it's really cool because it just, it's almost like the action that you're taking is actually connected to the animation in a mm-hmm. deeper way. So it makes it feel more uh, fluid. Right. Yeah. Like it's more integrated within the. Yeah. So it's it, it just seems more logical mm-hmm. um the multitasking there's a there's actually a couple different ways to do it you can kind of press up and straight from the middle and pause and then it will open up but i found that if you like go from one edge it's a little bit quicker and you're mm-hmm. automatically in there overall i really like the gestures um, I don't like the gesture for opening control center because it's in the top right corner of the phone and the iPhone 10 is smaller than the seven plus I was using, but it's, it's still a pretty tall screen mm-hmm. and it's, it, it's going with that very, uh, two by one, very modern aspect ratio. Yeah. And that just means that stuff at the top of the screen is pretty tall and reachability is still there. But it's sometimes can be kind of hard to invoke. Yeah, it's kind of ambiguous. Yeah, and it's just like, I feel like you do have to adapt a little bit more to this phone than you did with mm-hmm. previous versions of iOS and previous phones. Right. How's how's Portrait on that compared to your, you had the 8, right? Uh, no, I had the 7 Plus. 7 Plus. The 8 is, you know, it's the other current version of the phone which is strange that they are doing 8 and 10 but um the camera is a lot faster and the portrait mode is really amazing because both of the lenses are have optical image stabilization so and i think they raise the aperture raises when you make it 
a bigger number, correct? Uh, well, when you lower the aperture, you get it. It's more cinematic looking because you have the depth of field and you get more light. Okay, so lower yeah. number, more light. Okay, so so they basically lowered the the uh, aperture of the. Well, I guess technically it's a larger aperture whenever the number's lower. So you could think of it either way, I guess. Yes. Well, I, I think the main point is that it takes in more light right. and it's stabilized. So I think that the portrait mode on the front facing camera is really, uh, well, excuse me, on, on the rear camera is a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it, it works way better in low light. I, I took a picture at a bar the other night and we'll put the link in, in the, in the show notes and, I think the results are crazy good yeah. for being a cell phone camera. Yeah, I mean, it's gotten to the point where it's more of like a separate part of the phone that's not even really related to anything else. It's just the, it's like an actual mobile, like point and shoot camera. Well, I think it's, I think that the iPhone is at this point where it's like, it's mostly a camera. Yeah. I mean, it uses the camera for everything. It uses the camera to unlock the phone. Yeah. Yeah. Uh and and I think we've talked about this before like Apple is really like a camera company. Yeah. And um I think they nailed it. I think they really hit it out of the park and uh, that's not to say that the camera on the 7 Plus was bad because it was it was very good but the photos on the 10 are there's just far less noise mm-hmm. and the portrait mode definitely works way better. And you uh, have it on the front face too. Yeah, so that's the other side of it. The the portrait mode on the on the uh selfie cam is a little bit it's just not as good. Okay, and it's because again, it's not as well, I I I feel like portrait mode for Apple is still kind of a beta feature and the results aren't terrible, but they're just not fantastic either yeah and also like it's got those new stage lighting effects so if you try to do one of them like some of them look okay like there's natural light and then there's like studio light which just brightens the face and there's stage light and i don't know if you noticed but the stage light it does kind of miss around your ears sometimes can you change any of the parameters of these like can you feather it out or something? Yeah, yeah, you can. Um, and sometimes the results are very bad, <laughs> and sometimes they're just okay. And it's I a think, high bar that you're setting. Yeah, and I mean, I think sometimes they can be really good, but if you just compare it to the the rear camera, I mean, there's really no. Yeah, I mean, no I guess you could still use the rear camera to take selfies but i had one that came out and actually looked like i think it was supposed to look but the lighting on your face kind of makes makes it look like a snapchat filter yeah and then it's it's like it's it looks a little too artificial yeah i think that's the other thing it just it just looks artificial yeah but it's still pretty amazing if you see what the original photo was when you actually get it and there's no weirdness around the face yeah and you actually see Mm -hmm. those effects in action so i think the verdict is the front-facing camera portrait mode looks fine 
if you're not using the new lighting effects. But gotcha. Apple, Apple again, it's claiming that those those lighting effects were in beta, and portrait modes came a long way in a year. And I think that um, they're going to figure out the lighting thing. I think that their algorithms just kind of have to learn mm-hmm. what it's supposed to be doing. Do you think they'll ever integrate portrait mode with just regular, the regular camera, and just make it a switch that you turn on and off? Um, I think I think they could do that. I think it's like they do, I, like I, they have with HDR. Yeah, I I mean you can do that, and 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 you know I don't know if you know this, but HDR that setting is gone. So now it just it does automatic HDR, which is kind of. I don't really love that because I would like to be able to choose right. HDR because I think sometimes it doesn't use it when I would have. Mm-hmm. But right. Apple's not about giving more control, obviously. Yeah. In in just low light, using the standard camera with no portrait mode or any effects, this this shot was. I mean, I I think it it was almost dark in this photo, and mm-hmm. I think he showed up really well. Yeah. The shadows are pretty good. Yeah, so it's uh, it's really good, and I think that all the portrait mode features are still more of a beta thing, and they're going to work it out. Um, as far as the video goes, I haven't had a chance to test it yet. I am super stoked about having a camera in my pocket that <laughs> that can shoot 4K at 60 frames per second and has 256 gigs of storage. Yeah. I think that's a super powerful combination and means that... I'll probably get some good video that I would have missed otherwise. Right. And um, there's been a few things going around on, on the internet of people testing it versus other cameras. Um, and there was one story about a guy who was testing it against the GH5. Which just came out. Yeah. And, uh, well, sort of recently. Yeah. And, you know, for, a camera phone to go up against a $2,000 phone without a lens. I mean, a $2,000 camera without a lens. And Is that a phone? Yeah. And do well. I think that, I think that says something about the quality. Yeah. It's, it's like we said, they're a camera company, but they, they're phone. They can't just make a camera, you know, the, yeah. there's no, no one would buy it because it be the same technology. It'd have to be like a an amazing camera. Yeah, and see that that's the thing. It's it's almost like not even comparable because if you're in the market for a super high end camera, you either need it for work or mm-hmm. you're just kind of a camera head. But everybody needs a phone, right? And I think that when you empower them with a super awesome camera then you're increasing their creative potential Mm -hmm. and i think that's well they they've really they emphasized that in the keynote whenever they announced that new line of uh positions that they're they're going to have where people are being taught how to use apple products for creative purposes yeah yeah i think they i think they probably do need to outreach to creators more like samsung does a lot with youtube people and and uh, uh, sponsoring their films and stuff. And I think probably Apple should do that too uh, because those people are, you know, powerful influencers on larger culture. And I mm-hmm. think if if they 
don't play in that space, then it won't, it won't go well for them. So, you know, one of the big things that the new camera is used for is for face ID. Mm-hmm. And in, in my experience, it works extremely well. It's super fast. And when it works, it's like you don't have a password and it's right. super amazing. Yeah. It's kind of crazy the amount of space that all that fits into. Yeah. Because if you, if you look at your Apple Watch, maybe potentially that could be integrated. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, that would be really crazy on the watch. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah. I mean, they could use it on any of their products. Yeah. Also, if they could figure out how to do like the portrait mode in real time and you're like having a FaceTime conversation from your watch mm-hmm. and it's blurred, not for <clears throat> like an artistic reason, but just so that your focus was on the person that you were talking to. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, th- I think that could be interesting. Yeah. It'd be easy to, I, I would imagine to integrate it with an iMac, you know? Oh yeah. Yeah. Or, like, or a MacBook. Yeah. Like after using Face ID on the iPhone, it it would make so much sense on an iMac or a laptop because as soon as you open, you're in. Mm-hmm. Uh, right now, when I open my Mac, it unlocks with by talking to my watch, mm-hmm. which is cool. Yeah, but I think with a with Face ID on one of those platforms, it would be even well. Yeah, because not everyone better. has a watch, but everyone <laughs> has a face. <laughs> yeah, you can quote me on that. Yeah. Also, Apple could charge more for their computers, and yep. if they're adding more components, more features. Yeah, I mean the uh, the new iMac Pro is supposed to have a, um, I think like an A10 chip or something in it. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, and and that's used so that you can say, "Hey Siri," right? So if Sorry. if could you say oops. that again? So if you can say that <laughs> phrase. And um, and give your computer commands, then that can also enable the encryption needed for Face ID. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that's already present on the on the Touch Bar MacBook Pros that have the 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 Touch ID sensor. I think they have to have the secure enclave, which is a part of mm-hmm. the iOS chip. So I think that would be very easy for them to integrate into the yeah. Mac or the uh, iMac Pro. So I'm wondering where where iPhones are are going to go mm-hmm. after the iPhone 10, you know? Yeah. I mean, it seems like it, it's won everybody over who's used it, you know? So I can't imagine them changing the design back to this or something else, you know? Yeah. Or, I mean, this being my uh, success plus. Yeah. So. I, I think that uh, I think the Touch ID is probably going to go away. I don't think that... After using Face ID and just the friction that's removed from the unlocking mm-hmm. process, I think it'll probably increase overall security for a lot of Apple's users because it's so much easier to have a password. And they've made it harder and harder not to have a password mm-hmm. on your phone. They're like really emphasize it. Right. And I think by making it easier they'll have more adoption and ultimately that's what they want yeah could you could you see next year iphone design being only like the 10 no so that's interesting so 
I think that there may be a larger iPhone 10 in the works, like an iPhone 10 plus, but maybe it's the iPhone 11 plus who knows. But I think that there are a lot of people out there who want an even larger screen. And my thing was like, I wanted a larger screen, but I did not want a larger phone. Right. I only spent one year with, with a plus phone. I used the seven plus for 2016 and 2017. Mm-hmm. And it was, after the first week, I didn't like the size. Like from day one, I was like, man, this is really large. And I thought I would get used to it, mm-hmm. but ultimately I didn't. I think that the tin design is a really good trade off of screen size and also um, just physical dimensions. Right. And I don't think that I would want a larger phone, but I think that there are a lot of people out there who do. So I think that there will probably be. A, another iPhone 10 with an OLED screen or this body size, but larger. And then I think that there will also probably be maybe a lower end phone, like the iPhone 9 to replace the iPhone 8. But it Do you also, think it will have a home button? Or? I don't think it will. Really? I don't think it will, but I think it'll have an LCD screen because the screens are the mm-hmm. most expensive parts. Right. So... I think to keep their costs down and differentiate the line, they may have two different ones. Mm-hmm. And but, I mean, I get, I would imagine that the eight and eight plus are pretty, are going to be viable options for the next few years to buy. Yeah. And, and if I think people still want touch ID, you know? Yeah. I think, I think it's also there for people who don't want their stuff moved around. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Like, there are some people that just like to be able to hit the home button and go home. Exactly. Yeah. And they've they and they've brought so many of the other features, like the better cameras and the better image processing and the A11 Bionic to the A line that I still think that they're really great phones. Um, and I think that they'll keep them around. Um, but I, I I don't know if they'll have home buttons or not. Yeah, it's it's. I mean, it's impossible to say now, but so I, I think one of the best features that is on the eight series and the ten series is the wireless charging. It's so it's so fantastic. I I didn't think that I would really like it, and there's been a lot of talk of like, well, it's slow mm-hmm. or whatever. But I think it's just super nice to just be able to set your phone down and it start charging. Mm-hmm. And the truth is, is I rarely have to put it on a charger because the battery life that I'm getting, I literally wake up at 6 a.m. and then uh, go all day Mm -hmm. using it. And then I'll go to bed at night and it will have said, hey, you've used like 12 hours of screen time. And I've been on for 16 hours and and it still has 30% battery life. That's really good. Like the battery life is super incredible. Yeah. That's a good reason to look at getting that one because, I mean, I had a pretty good battery life with the Success Plus when I first got it. I would get about a day and a half, maybe two days if I didn't use it often. But now I have to charge it every, like, two, three times a day. It's gotten so bad. Yeah. Yeah, and, and you definitely should not with the plus phones because they're so large that they should hold so much more battery. But really, I think that the the increased um or the decreased 
power consumption of an OLED display versus an LCD mm-hmm. makes a big difference. And the chip is a lot more efficient, I would yeah. imagine. Yeah, and the A11 is it, it's not only incredibly fast, but it's incredibly power efficient. The standby mm-hmm. time is great. But you know what? Not all gadgets have to cost $1,200. That's true. Yeah, so I think that we should have a, a new segment called like Gadget Corner. And okay. I think we should talk about a couple of the things that we've been playing with. Yes, gadgets so, are cool. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So what new gadgets have you been messing around with? I got a new keyboard, but not the keyboard that I talked about last time I was talking about keyboards. Ah, yes. <laughs> so wait, now tell us, is this another is this another uh, keyboard for typing emails or what's this keyboard used for? If you could type emails on it, that'd be cool. But it is a keyboard controller, like a mini musical keyboard. So you could type an email to those aliens from Close Encounters. Yes. Ah, yeah. nice. It's a keystep, Arturia keystep, and it's a it's pretty small. It's very clean looking. Yeah, I like the typography mm-hmm. on it. It's white. Yeah. Yeah. The font is nice. The um pitch and modulations are capacitive touch sensitive. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. So they're it's very minimal and everything is very easy to read. Um, you can switch between sequencer and arpeggiation, and you can change the um, time division and the rate and all that good stuff. And you can also um, record loops. So, does it require a computer to record loops, or can or does it have some kind of memory internal? No, it's 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 a it's basically just a controller, but you can connect it to anything that you want. It also has sustain. But you can use it just USB. It mm-hmm. can be powered USB and controlled USB, or you can do MIDI. Yeah. So have you been me- have you been uh, making some cool beats with it? Yeah, I've uh, I've made two songs with this. And normally I'd use my my computer keyboard just with a virtual keyboard in Logic to make music. But with this, it's a lot more tactile. I think it's a lot easier to feel where the notes are because sometimes I might press R on the keyboard, which is right next to T, which would have been um, like one of the notes on the virtual keyboard, but it just starts recording or stops recording or whatever. And um, it's just easier on an actual keyboard, you know? Yeah. So, so you didn't have to do any mapping or anything like that, right? Did logic already know? You just plug it in. It's just automatic. But um, if I get it, some kind of, piece of hardware that I like a sequencer or something that I could use this to control it. Uh, that's really where it's, uh, it shines. Um, and then you can actually control the, uh, arpe- arpe- arpeggiation. Um, and you're going to have to tell us what arpeggiation is. Well, arpeggiation is, is just like a pattern of notes. Okay. And so whenever you hold down a key, it, it does it in perfect time to whatever you set and the parameters with like the with the frequency and the rate and stuff like that. I got this keyboard after seeing an ad on Instagram of all places, and it wasn't for this keyboard; it was for something else. Um, but it took you down an internet hole, and you found this keyboard at the end. Yeah, because I wanted this thing. Let me find it real quick. It's called the. It's from a a company, or at least their Instagram name is Expressive E underscore E, and it's called the. I'm assuming touch is how it's pronounced, but it's it looks like 
touche <laughs> the way it has a the um the little mark above the e you know yeah i forgot what that's called let me i guess read this description touch can bring a whole new dimension uh to your keyboard uh turning a relatively simple arpeggio into a rhythmic evolving sound simply by pressing on the wooden skin of touch uh and so you can adjust the parameters and in a program that you i guess install yeah keyboard. it almost looks like a pedal or something but right but it's so it's it's pressure sensitive and touch sensitive all across the top so yeah. it recognizes where you're at i'm guessing it's like thinking it's like a sine wave or something mm-hmm. and it's like you're touching at a different points yeah and the more pressure you exert the more exuberance because i think you can change sound. what those different areas do oh, to okay. the sound as well oh that's really cool so i'll play like a little video that they have So he's this guy is playing it on a keyboard. And then he affects the the notes with this. Yeah, that's really cool. So he's touching it softer here. But each video that they've posted it's been um they're totally different sounds coming out of it yeah so you so you saw that and then that brought you to the this keyboard and it's called the arteria the arteria key step yeah they have a bunch of keyboards but this this one's pretty popular i guess mainly because of its size and it's pretty full featured yeah for controller so yeah that's really great and it has weighted keys ah nice yes yeah, so the gadget that I've been playing with is the uh, SNES Classic. Um, I was able to get one through Alex, actually. Alex had a, had a friend who had an extra one, and I was able to pick it up from him. An extra one? Yeah, he, he, had, he had gone to Best Buy or something and bought a few of them. So he oh, had gotcha. one that he hadn't opened. And um, man, is it awesome. Yeah. Man, is it awesome. So it's so tiny. And it's got a lot of cool, like, screen effects. So you can make your TV, like, the area around the game. Right. Because, you know, it's 4 by 3 mm-hmm. You can make it look like an old retro TV. Yeah, th- I think they had that in the NES yeah. version. But yeah. I never I never had one, but Alex had one. And it's pretty easy to save a game. And you can, like, even rewind in the game if you made, like, really? a mistake or something. Wow. Um, the it, it Its big thing is it also... It, came with two controllers rather than one controller like the NES came with. So it's just like Nintendo getting back to its shared gaming experiences roots. Yeah. Which I think is really cool. Yeah. And also it had it has Star Fox 2, the unreleased Star Fox 2. That's on right. It. Yeah. And I'm... you know what? It's it's not great. They shouldn't have released it. <laughs> like I, I mean it's a fine game and I I like to see it, but it was totally unnecessary, especially on the eve of the Nintendo 64. Mm-hmm. But it's cool that it's there. Right. And uh, I don't know if you remember playing SNES games that much. Oh, yes. They're fantastic. Yeah, there's a helicopter game. I can't remember the name of it, but I used to play it all the time at my cousin's place. Yeah, and and so while we were moving, when we had no internet or anything else, we had the SNES Classic. It's always there for you. It's been it, there it's, for you for years. Yes, it's always there for you. It doesn't need your Wi-Fi password. And frankly, nope. it doesn't want to know your Wi-Fi password. Nope. Yeah. 
It's a, it's a magical thing. It's, it's a revelation. <laughs> I think we should just go play. Yep. I agree. Thank you.